welcome to another episode of Love and Life with Sarah and Joe. We're here. I think this is our third episode. Yeah. And we have a lot to talk about. Where should we start? I guess we ended the last one with our gender reveal party going to my parents' house. Yeah. My beautiful sister, younger sister, Lexi, who actually just had a kid of her own, was really stoked about throwing us a gender reveal. But we were like, you know what? We don't really need it. We know it's going to be a girl <laughs> because we saw we saw her soul. Or I didn't see her soul. Sarah saw her soul. Yeah, in ceremony on ayahuasca. I think we talked about that last episode. So we were going in. And we got the the baby scan. I thought I might have saw a penis on that thing. <laughs> Guy was rocking some wood at the size. He was the size of what? Like a. Uh, he was like a lime at that. He's a lime, that. but I could see his penis. And so penis. that that tells you a lot right there. Um, so we didn't know. That kind of made us question a little bit more. And then we went to this gender reveal, which was uh, a lot of fun. It was super exciting. We did a Zoom call with, and we sent a Zoom out to. All our closest friends and family. I think there was like 20, 25 people that made it on that thing. Yeah, people from all over the world. My family from Australia and some of our team members who are in different countries and friends. Most of our friends, I think, are throughout the U.S., but it was so nice. It was cool. And it was like having friends from different times in, in our lives, like, you know, some entrepreneur friends, some of my football buddies, you know, some, some newer friends some old friends, and they were all there together, and it was so cool. It was like, I could see why people enjoy, like, getting married or, like, going through that whole process because it's really, like, you're the center of attention. It felt kind of good. It was really cool to, like, have all of the people we love that might not necessarily know each other there for us, which uh, really was cool. We recorded it, so it was a lot of craziness. Yeah, it was super cute. So what happened was we got there. My sister had some little decorations. It was really cute. And we had this big black balloon, and it was filled with either pink confetti or blue confetti. And then Sarah, you know, held it up when we did a countdown. Three, <laughs> two, one. Didn't what happened? Well, you popped it. Blue confetti went everywhere. Blue confetti went everywhere. And I found out we're having a little boy. Yeah, which is so exciting. But there was definitely some processing. I was like, I don't know. I have to look back at the recording, actually. And um, I don't know. I, I know I had a big smile on my face and I know I was happy, but I was like, I don't understand. Like, what does this mean? <laughs> and, it, and, and to preface, like, it definitely... I didn't even know if I was ever going to have kids, let alone did I have any attachment to, like, what gender they would be if I did decide to have kids. So it wasn't a disappointment or anything. It was just there was definitely some processing. I was like, I'm so confused. I met our daughter's soul and now she's going to be a boy. But what is gender anyway, right? So what have you come <laughs> up with? What does that mean? Well, I feel like I guess the rationale I have for it is I don't really know how like, are soul, soul, do souls have genders? Probably not. I mean, I, I think souls are probably genderless and maybe I experienced the feminine essence of the soul when I met it, <laughs> him now. Um, and also I did realise that it was the very first ceremony that was in April where it was a very visual experience where it was a little girl sitting across from me like a, I could see like a person essentially. The other experiences that I had with the soul afterwards were not actually um, gender specific or anything, but I had overlaid with my first experience that I was, you know, communing with a female, with my daughter, with our daughter. Um, Do you think maybe that our daughter is yet to come and this linear time is not necessarily the thing? I definitely think that's possible. Um, the other interesting thing that's happened is ever since... So I was communing with this soul from April all the way through to the ayahuasca ceremony where I feel like the soul entered my body, even though I was already, like, biologically pregnant. I feel like that's the moment the soul came in when I 
surrendered and said, yes, I want to do this. And interestingly, I haven't been communing with the soul in the same way since then. So I'm now uh, four and a half months pregnant and I feel... Dang. Yeah. It's going fast. I know. It's almost... It's halfway, You're a baby, it? baby yeah. factory in there. Yeah. So, like, it's different now. Like, um, this little human is growing inside me and I can very much feel that and I'm taking time to bond and sometimes when I meditate or just when, you know, at night when I'm lying in bed or whatever, I'll, like, talk to it, but it's in a different way than it was before. So what it feels like to me is that the soul is in there, forgetting that it's a soul, which is what we all do. Um, Remember and forget. Yeah, Yeah. just getting ready for its human experience. You don't remember that you forgot until you remember, Um, and then you're like, oh, I forgot. And then you forget again. And then you just automatically forget right then. (laughs) What is, I don't, yeah. So it kind of feels like it is the same soul, otherwise I feel like I would still be communing, but then I don't know, like maybe... Yeah, maybe that daughter that I met in that very first ceremony is actually coming later and maybe that's not the exact same soul I was communing with the whole time. I don't know. It's definitely been something for me to get my head around and I I had a moment of like almost um, questioning my, let's call it spirituality or my intuition, my knowing, all of these experiences that I have when I found out it was a boy, I had all of these moments of like, is any of this real that I think that I experience or, which I don't feel now, but I did have a moment. So of how all did of you that. process that? Because I mean, what is it, what is it really? Right. Like, and what, what somebody might say, well, it's just a figment of your imagination. It's just your psyche. You know, you're projecting out your own images in the world. Your dream space isn't real. You visualize this. What about all that? I mean, that's obviously the questions you're having come up, right? Yeah. Um, I think ultimately it's a knowing um, that the experiences I do have are real for me and it may be a surrender to, like, does it actually matter? What is real? Does it actually matter if they're real, if I can prove them? Um, But... The whole experience has been really beautiful and... I mean, you like to question, like, what is real anyway? And we have this old materialistic viewpoint of the world, like everything is solid. Mm-hmm. This is life. I mean, even... Let's, let's take a step back and widen the lens a little bit to just... What is ha- giving birth? What is creating a baby inside your body? <laughs> That's a miracle. It is a miracle. So, I mean, obviously there's something going on here that is bigger than us. We're just the awarenesses that get to go along for this journey. And to, to, I mean, what a miracle to grow another human. I mean, the more I've been thinking about it over the last couple months, being my, my own kid and going through this myself, realizing what a miracle it is that you are pretty much opening a portal with your body to another dimension to allow this being, this soul, whatever you want to call it, to come into this physical plane of existence. And that is like, that blows my mind. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to the actual birthing process. Me too. Let's talk a little bit about that because we've kind of gone back and forth on how we want to go about it. And this is a controversial topic we've found out <laughs> just, you know, already. So I'm sure we're going to get um, a lot of opinions about it. But one thing we're learning is to stay with our own knowing, our own experience and trust how we want to go about it. Um and trust our instincts. And so talk a little bit about that journey for you and um, where you're at with it now. I think finding out I was pregnant um, was, you know, so exciting and, you know, with all of the experience that we just talked about and we've referenced before, like it was really exciting. But like many women I've discovered through my conversations, 
Um, I was excited about being pregnant and having a child, but I was terrified about the day of the birth and going through the birthing experience because pretty much my whole life all I've heard about is how painful and terrible and scary it is. Um, And so pretty quickly I started diving into some books and I knew I didn't want to read just like mainstream kind of stuff. I wanted to really understand like a more fuller picture and also the history of birthing and childbirth and all of that. So I started reading, and I can't remember the book, but it's by Ina May, I can't remember the title of the book, and now I'm reading Hypnobirthing and we're reading another one with a really long title that I also can't remember, so we'll put these in the show notes rather than relying on my memory. Um, But now, particularly the Hypnobirthing book actually and understanding the history of childbirth, I'm now very open to the idea that birthing doesn't isn't always painful and in some cases it's orgasmic. Women experience orgasms during the birth. And with my connection with, you know, what you were just talking about, about uh, opening. Well, oh. <laughs> let's, let's back up. Let's, uh, let's, what, tell me a bit more about the orgasms <laughs> in birth. What is, that's just kind of hard for people to even wrap their head around. Totally. And I'm here as a I'm woman who's never it. given birth and people who have are probably listening like, Sarah, there's no orgasms going on. Yeah. But, I mean, I've read the stories. So I've read these books that share many different stories, particularly the Ina May one. There's a whole section at the start that shares birth story after birth story after birth story and not only the orgasmic ones, it, and there's only one or two in there that are like that, Um you know, it shares the ones that didn't go well, the ones that went, I guess, what we might consider normal-ish, like there was some pain, there was a process and there was pushing and, and then the baby was born and then there was some really incredible ones of orgasmic kind of um, transcendent experience. So how do you orgasm. get to that? Like what is the – because that doesn't – you don't just go in, I'm going to give birth and have an orgasm. There's right. a lot of work <laughs> and preparation and – training the mind, right? Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a lot of prep work in order to fully surrender into an experience that it, to make that even possible, right? Yes, and I think as with anything in life, it helps to believe something is possible in order to manifest it into reality and to experience it. You might get lucky and have that experience, but I would say if you go into childbirth fully believing that it's painful, it's scary, it's going to be the hardest thing you ever do, there's a much higher likelihood that that will be your experience. It's it's unlikely that if that is your belief system, you'll find yourself in an orgasmic state, I imagine, because of everything else in my life that I think mostly I get some form of what I anticipate it to be when it occurs. Yeah, it's the old adage, as, as within, so without, right? Mm-hmm. And it's what we've been practising and, and trying to share with the world is is my internal world. If I can work on my internal world, then I will, my, my external world, the lens in which I perceive reality shifts. So if I can find peace and equanimity within myself by showing up, and this doesn't just happen, it takes practice, and that's why we have meditation, yoga, journaling, processing our emotions when they come up, communicating, not holding things in, it, it creates this, this ease and this peace within us, and then it's fascinating, the world becomes more peaceful. And if someone comes at me angry now, instead of reacting to that, I can I can be peaceful and just, you know, calmly ask them what's wrong with them. And, you know, it's fascinating that a lot of people worry about the worst case scenario, especially we've been sharing this with uh, with close family. Um, we'll, we'll get more into what we are planning on doing um, with the home birth. But even sharing that with people, the immediate thing is this fear of worst case scenario. And we both believe that although we're not we're not ignorant to that, we're not going to act like it's not a possibility, but we're going to put our energy and focus on the best possible outcome and obviously be prepared with the, the right kind of plan and tools to make sure that we're safe. But 
it really is like projecting out into the future the, the reality that you want to have. Exactly. And that has such a huge impact. Yeah. So, you know, as I said, I've read all these different birth stories and also spoken to many friends and I've got the absolute horror stories all the way through to these orgasmic experiences. So I'm aware, I understand, I've also been reading about the history of childbirth. So not only people's birth stories, but statistics and all sorts of things. And now that I am across all of that, I'm choosing to spend my energy, my focus, my intention in manifesting and creating and working toward a really beautiful, transcendent spiritual experience that is the most amazing uh, way that we can bring our son into the world, this new soul. You know, I want in my ideal our son to be caught by you when he crowns and comes out. I want him to then be laying on my chest and to feed and to whatever, you know, that looks like in the first hours and for the three of us to really be, or the two of us, I guess, to really be his first um, connection and um, communion with humanity. Yeah, Um, because what a dramatic experience for any newborn to be just separated from their mother. I mean, just the the process of giving birth. I mean, the, the baby is, the soul is you is is a piece of you and then all of a sudden probably one of the most traumatic experiences of our entire lives is this separation from our mother into this reality into our own sovereign you know essence coming out from that darkness that darkness that nice little comfortable (laughs) little sack he's just floating around in right now and all of a sudden he's like what is this world there's so much light it's so bright and then you know the energy that we're, you know, you know, we're realizing is such a big part of this existence and the energy that energy fields that we have as humans. Like we want to make sure that's a loving, comforting exchange and presence so that he can, you know, feel feel loved right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Talk about the, you know, you learned a little bit about the history of, you know, it's, it's a, this whole Western medical system is very recent. This idea of giving birth in a hospital is very, very, and very recent. I mean, we've been obviously giving birth as human race since the beginning of humans. That's how it works. So we've been pretty fine up until now. And I'm I'm, I'm not knocking the medical system because it's, it's a miracle that they've been able to save a lot of people that have been in a lot of, you know, not so fortunate situations. But talk a little bit about the history of why, you know, and this, this kind of, there's this fear around the, the idea of giving birth. There's so much pain. And so they, they're not present for the experience. And talk about how that, the mindset, like we just talked about, affects the actual birth. Mm-hmm. Talk about where that started. Yeah, to, to talk about the mindset, it makes a lot of sense. Um, in terms, as I've learned more about the what your actual body is doing physically um, to give birth, and it's uh, it's a schwinkter actually. <laughs> Your cervix is a schwinkter. It's one of my favorite words in the English language, <laughs> schwinkter. We have more than one schwinkter. So as I read about the cervix opening, which is another schwinkter in our body, um, you know, I understood like that that part of our body, it's a very tight muscle that is designed like a drawstring almost to keep the baby in and to keep everything in until it's ready to come out. Um, and that's, that's the design of a schwinkter. So as... As you're birthing, what you're doing is releasing and as you're laboring, I should say, you're releasing and opening that part of your body so that the baby can crown and and ultimately be pushed out. Much of what I did read about the pain was all of the contractions and the laboring and getting ready are more painful. And then when the baby starts to move down the birth canal, as I've understood it, it's like in a natural birth, there's nothing to do but push. It is the most overwhelming sensation you've ever felt in your life that you just need, your body just needs to push. So that's another contradiction that sounds like it happens is that there's this pushing before the pushing really needs to be happening. Whereas when you wait until your body is ready, there's nothing else you would want to do but to push, which makes sense when you think about all of our bodily functions. You know, it's like they when they're ready, they just have to happen. And birthing is a similar thing. Now, the reason I'm talking about this is because what happens with these these parts of our body is as they're opening due to relaxation, safety, feeling like you're ready and you can surrender into that moment, if the energy in the room changes or if 
um, you start to all of a sudden feel uncomfortable, it just shuts down and tightens back up. Um, and that's often what can happen and um, is what often leads to medical intervention and things like that as well, because the labour is considered to not be progressing or to be um, reversing, as they call it. Um, but now that I understand this part of my body, I can be aware that this is what my body needs to do right now. It needs to open and it's going to be a lot less painful and difficult and uh, maybe take less time if I can work with the natural, what's trying to happen naturally in my body. So if I can prepare my mind and I can kind of breathe and visualize and ensure that my environment is conducive to me, just being really safe and surrendering to that process. That's one thing that really fascinated me when you shared, um, and, and I just want to put a disclaimer out there for anybody going through pregnancy or has gone through pregnancy. We are just learning for ourselves. Yeah. We have no idea what we're talking about. We are not doctors. We are reading this stuff in books and a bunch of different resources, talking to our friends and really trying to come up with the best plan for us. And we know that there is a lot of information out there. So this podcast, we're, we're just trying to share our journey so that you guys can have a, you know, even wider perspective on your own journey if this is something that you're going through. Um, so there's, we're not saying this is right, this is wrong, this is just our journey. And, and, I want to make and sure I say we that. can't speak from, like it hasn't happened yeah, yet. Yeah, we, so haven't, we, we haven't had actually the experience. Season, so, season two. <laughs> but that's what's cool about this podcast is we're bringing you along real time mm-hmm. and and we're, we, you know, more of a reality show type of podcast, which I think is really unique, which is really cool and kind of take you guys on a journey so that we can, you know, talk about the actual experience and how it relates to what we're talking about now. And I think this is going to be very powerful for those that listen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, I thought one of the most fascinating things you shared with me um, on this kind of journey of researching and, and learning as much as you can is what you just said with excuse me, the energy of the room and and all of a sudden the energy is shifting or something happening and you're closing back up. And and that can happen simply from a doctor walking in the room or a nurse walking in the room and you're at the hospital or there's a bunch of people around you. Like if somebody is there and they're kind of off or in their heads and they're having a bad day, that energy will affect you. Someone just walks in the door when you're about to like give birth. Like we heard a bunch of stories about it's just going to be you and, and Sarah and maybe a midwife or whoever's there, nurse. And then all of a sudden when you're about to give birth, a doctor walks in and just catches the baby. But the the, the, the simple act of a doctor or someone just walking in the room, even if you're not conscious of it because you're so in your world, your body might feel that energy, feel unsafe and close back up. And a lot of times that might lead to, oh, she's, you know, regressing. It's we taking, need to, too long. taking too long. We yeah. need a surgical intervention. And so talk a little bit more about that. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess to wrap all of what I've been learning up with what I was intuitively feeling, and I am very sensitive to energy. So particularly during this um, pandemic that we are all experiencing and we've spent a lot of time um, alone, uh, especially the first two months, I guess, when after that two months, when we started interacting with other people, it was a lot on my system. And I really understood, wow, like I've been dealing with this my whole life. Like I can feel other people's energy very, very strongly. So knowing that and also knowing how impacted I am by my surroundings, that's also been something very important to me. I like my house, my office, my space to be a certain way to make me feel comfortable and safe. And when I'm not, when I'm feeling down, unwell, uh, internal, whatever it might be, I want to be usually home. I want to be in my comfort, in my space. So when I thought about this sacred moment of giving birth, this very private, very sacred, personal um, moment and who I wanted to be there with me and how I wanted to be doing it, it just doesn't, to be in a hospital doesn't feel like what I want. I felt like, God, I want to do it at home. And when that first came into my mind, this was before I'd really done all this research and I was like, oh, is that crazy? Like, am I crazy? But it just felt like what I wanted. And then it was when we were on the rafting trip and we were talking with Maddie, one of the girls on the trip who is a doula. Mm. And she started talking about birthing and the birth she's attended and home birthing and all sorts of things. And I got tears in my eyes. I don't know if you remember, but I was overwhelmed by the sense of permission, I guess, that mm. I was being given in that moment 
that my intuitive thought and feeling of having our baby at home was not insane and crazy and that people do do it and that it's okay. And actually, you know, hospital birthing has been a fairly recent invention in the scope of history. I mean, it's the fraction of a blink of an eye when we think about how long humans have lived on this planet. And so that was the moment where I thought, I think this is what I want to do. And we have looked at birthing centres as options. And I do understand that hospital birthing is far better than it used to be. Um, But I feel really comfortable and good. And then we recently met our the midwife we're going to work with who was referred to us by the Kingsbury's. And that cemented my decision, I think. So Maddie opened the door for me to feel permission that this was going to be, this was an option and not a crazy option. And because that's my conditioning my whole life is that people who home birth are irresponsible and crazy and bad things will happen just like many of the things that I do in my life, I suppose. Yeah. And I think it's important to to let everyone know, like we were feeling that, especially you, um, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a lot of like overwhelm on how do, how do we do this? Where do we have to go see a doctor? We have to go get all these tests, you know, do these checkups. You know, we didn't get our first scan until 12 weeks. And, you know, everybody was kind of asking, like, have you gotten your first scan yet? And it's just like very like, it, I feel like almost there's this process that you get plugged into that you don't, nobody really ever questions. Totally. And I'm so glad we waited that 12 weeks because what that was for me was bonding time with my body and the experience I was going through before I handed over decision making or, you know, whatever it might look like to the medical profession. I wasn't ready to have someone come in and tell me. And that was affirmed when we were in the session. And I can't remember if I talked about it on this on the last show. And if I did, I'm sorry, but um, you know, the doctor was lovely. It was a great experience. We saw the baby on the screen. It was absolutely amazing. And as I left, she said, as I was kind of putting my clothes back on and getting organized, she said, so all you really have to think about now, all you really have to watch out for and worry about is blood and spotting. And if you have any blood and I was like, wow, that's why the medical profession is not my jam. Like that is not all I have to worry about or think mm. about. It's like instilling that, that seed of fear. Yeah, like that's all you need to look at and yeah. think about is is you might spot and bleed. I'm like, no, I think I need to think about bonding with my baby and mm. nurturing my own self and yeah. my body while I'm growing and thinking about this beautiful soul that's coming into the world. And if something was to occur with my body that didn't feel right, then I would go and get medical attention. Yeah. But I certainly don't need to leave this office and have that as my singular focus. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I know. And it. I mean, talk a little bit about the the journey because you know, working through our own programming and our own. You know, I'm so I'm so grateful that you're so connected to your body and your intuition, and you're, and you're learning to to trust it more, especially through this process. But even that's super difficult. But now, um, actually, first let's talk about you know the the stress that we had, and then finally. Speaking with the midwife, we're going to use yeah, Michelle. That, was, that felt like every piece of stress because since we found out we were pregnant, I definitely have been a little bit stressed about all of it. Like, how do I pull all of this stuff together? Like, I haven't been to a doctor in over five years since I've lived in the United States for sure. I can't remember the last time when I was in Australia, so I'm, I'm really not plugged into the medical system. Um, and all of it was overwhelming. Like, what do I need to do? I need to make sure I have insurance. I need, how do we find a doctor and a hospital and all these millions of things that it just seemed really overwhelming. Um, but like everything, the universe gives you as, you, as you go on the journey, the universe gives you what you need. And it all worked out in perfect timing because we were in Colorado. We went and got the scan just so that we got to 12 weeks. And I was like, well, at this point I feel in touch with my body enough, I feel happy and it would be nice to also get the scan and know that um, everything's good. So we got the scan and all that was great and came back to Austin and then I started feeling the stress again because it was like, oh, shoot, I've got to find a doctor, I've got to, like, do all these things and I want to find a doula. And then we went went to Tahoe and Carl Kingsbury shared um, their experience of their birth and the midwife that they worked with and you ended up chatting with Kyle and he connected us with Michelle. And as soon as we talked with her, which was just last week, it was like every last puzzle piece fell into place. And I just felt so comfortable, so uh, 
Safe. That, that's it right there. Yeah. That's how I felt. I felt. <sighs> all of a sudden, all these things that I, all these millions of levers I was trying to pull to figure this all out was just, she's got it. She's got it all taken mm. care of. And she's delivered over 2,000 babies. Yeah. She's been doing it for 40 years. There's, I mean, she has to do constant, like, courses and, like, yearly credits to make sure she keeps her licensure. So she's, I mean, she's a real deal. And just her confidence and her ability to hold the space, answer our questions, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I, I felt your energy just be like, oh, and I, like, looked at you, I was like, this is it, huh? And you're just like, yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, I feel super grateful for her. I'm so excited to get to know her more and go on this journey. But it just felt like all of the pressure of the last four months of like, how do I need to figure, what do I need to do to figure all this out was just gone. Like she knows exactly what we need to do. And, you know, when I talked earlier about not wanting to just hand over uh, responsibility, decision making to the medical system, like that's what I was fearing. Like, and when I, when we went to that doctor in that scan, she was lovely, but I didn't like particularly feel like, oh, I just tell me what to do. Whereas with Michelle, the midwife, I feel like there's this mutual um, respect, trust, connection where she will give space. Yeah, for to trust us, yourself, for who right? we are, for what our desires and needs and wants are. But I feel totally safe in her hands. Like I'm ready mm. to work with her on this journey. Yeah, because she's going to involve you in the process. I feel like when you go into the hospital, I mean, and, and obviously this is not from experience because this is just stories and 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 what we've heard. Um, but you know, our own experience with the medical system. Period. Not necessarily a pregnancy, but they, they're almost checking the boxes, right? They have a list. Okay, this, 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 you know, with Michelle, the, the midwife, there's this, okay, how, how are you? Like, trust your intuition, or, yeah. like, feel into where you're at. And she's going to teach us how to feel our own baby, um, feel where it's at, listen to its heartbeat, and really connect with it on that level rather than just, you know, kind of giving away all that kind of power, right? Yeah, and it was interesting because I think it was just that morning that I'd read about ultrasounds and... Whilst there's no evidence that they're particularly dangerous, I also understood the history of how they became uh, used in the mainstream and that there actually hasn't been like a whole lot of testing about whether they're safe either. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, that's an example. I went in and just got an ultrasound without actually researching whether I wanted to get that or not, whether it was safe, whether I felt comfortable. I just kind of accepted it and did it. And I wasn't super concerned, but it was it was an interesting factor that I was like, oh. And she actually mentioned that she keeps it to a minimum. So rather than when you're in the with the doctor, the um, every time you go in, they do every it. Every time you go in, they do it. She's like, you don't need to do it that often. Like most people do it because it gives them peace of mind. They get to see it and all of that. But it is um, actually you know more about the technology. I think it's like vibration, right? Yeah, it's, I mean it's ultrasound. It's sound waves that they use that that go in i'm not a scientist once again but i'm just the, the sound waves go in off this device and then they bounce back and then it's it's that, that image that bounce back it's kind of like a sonar mm. and so those high frequency vibrations those sound waves that go in i mean if you just think about it unscientifically and just intuitively like that high vibration going into you know like we talked about earlier this 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 little man's little comfort sack in your belly and all of a sudden he's just like like what is that oh my god that's crazy. I don't do that too often. So, I mean, and we're not, uh, I don't know, long-term effects, don't know. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm not overly concerned about that, yeah. but I did appreciate her approach that she's like, well, we'll just keep them to a minimum. So yeah. I've had one, we know the baby's, you know, healthy and has a heartbeat and is progressing as normal. And then as I understand it, we're just going to have one more um, toward the end where I think that's the one where they do all the measurements and make sure that as it's closer to birth that everything's like looking good. So that feels really good to me. I'm like, yeah, I just don't want to go overboard with the medical stuff that's not necessarily needed for something that is a natural process. Pregnancy and childbirth is not an illness. It's not a medical condition. It's a natural thing that humans do, every animal does. And actually an interesting thing that I've been reading about is the pain thing. So humans are the only animals that birth in pain. Say more. What does that mean? <laughs> so, um, and once That's again, right. Is, We're animals, by the way. <laughs> we are animals. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and I've seen dogs and guinea pigs. We had a lot of guinea pigs at birth. And it's not necessarily painful. I mean, they often lie on their side and the puppies kind of crawl out almost. I mean, how do we how do we know that it's not painful? Well, we I mean, don't it could know. be the whole they're just surrendering into the experience and it's like we said when we get That's, out of our own monkey yes. minds through the experience and are present through it, it can have this orgasmic or energetic connection to this miracle that your process you're going through. Maybe that's just because nature, I mean, it's almost like our gift and our curse as humans is our conscious awareness of the future and the past, which if we get lost in that, creates stories and fear. And that's why we need to train that to come back to the present so that we can experience life more. That's a whole nother episode, probably a whole nother series. But go ahead. Well, yeah, and I guess it's not to say there's not feelings that their bodies experience, but is it pain? Yeah, like labeling the yes. feeling because it is just like pain is just sensation. Mm-hmm. We're labeling it with our mind. It's like my fear of going and having a major injury on the field was completely different than the actual major injury on the yeah. field I had. Yeah. Because when I actually went through the process, like the pain was there, but it was like the body knew what to do. And it was the pain is usually to create this acute awareness of that place because there's something wrong with it. But if it's too much pain, your body will go into shock and it's like you don't feel the pain any longer. Mm-hmm. And it's really fascinating to actually experience that because I always had this fear of like, I don't know if I'd be able to deal with that. Like, you know, this guy on the field, his leg was facing the wrong way. It's like, oh, my God, like if that one, if I happened to me, like, oh, and then I, you know, I'm on the field and guy hit, leg whips my leg and my 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 right foot almost hits me in the head. <laughs> it goes like whips <laughs> back that far and it's just like hanging on by a oh, thread. God. Yeah, sorry for that visual, guys. <laughs> but it like it hurt for a second and I took a couple deep breaths and it was gone. Mm. Really wild. Yeah. And so maybe reframing it from pain to sensation your body is going through as it preps to birth the child and what the contractions actually are and how the muscles are moving inside your body and what the baby's doing and where the baby's going, like actually understanding what that is um, may, and I'll tell you later, give you a different experience of the birthing process. Um, So there's, and once again, I'm so bad at like referencing exact things from the past and the things that I'm reading, but um, ancient doctors, there's no reference of pain in childbirth. Mm. The reference to pain is more of a modern um, construct. So Mm. it's in more modern medicine is that it's a very painful process. It's a very dangerous process. Mm. Um, But ancient, like there was a lot of medicine back in like ancient Egyptian time, ancient Greece, ancient Rome. And I think it was like Socrates or Hippocrates or someone like that. One of those famous philosophers. I'm sorry, everyone. Do not tune into this podcast for my uh, (laughs) referencing ability. (laughs) Um, But they kind of said childbirth should be, their approach to it was like childbirth, um, women should be with women during childbirth, midwifery essentially. Midwifery? Um, Midwifery, yes. Whoa. (laughs) My um, mind is blown midwifery. So, you know. That's, that's my new word of the day. <laughs> the intuitive knowing, the passed down knowledge from woman to woman, that is a sacred process for, and it should be a woman who's guiding the baby and the and the birthing mother. Mm. So let's go back to now that we decided to have a home birth, we feel way more comfortable, way more confident with our with our decision ourselves. Sharing that with the world, and I know, you know, I'll, I'll put a disclaimer out there. If this is something that brings up something with you as you're listening to this, I would offer you to question where those feelings are coming from and, and witness those thought patterns that are coming up and really create some space from them and see if there's a, a root... Um, of the story that, you know, if this is bringing up a lot of resistance within you, because we've noticed sharing this with our close loved ones and family, that it is creating um, a little bit of resistance in them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, and and I know it's totally out of love. And I think because me and you have done a lot of our own work, we don't take it as this trying to control us or make decisions for us. We really see it as, as a place of worry, a place that really stems from loving us and, you know, my mom especially, she had a pretty 
rough pregnancy with me, actually, where if she wasn't in the hospital, I mean, we probably both would have died, quite honestly. And I think that obviously that comes up when, when we share with her that we want to have a home birth. She immediately thinks, oh, my gosh, if I would have been at home, I would have died. You would have died. We wouldn't be here. And I totally, you know, I just, oh, man, that makes me feel emotional thinking about. Um, and, I, and I feel her when she says that. And I love her for her worry. And But I think what the more we've learned, it's, it's widening the lens and the bigger picture of, of that. And I think what we've learned is a lot of the issues that might lead to some complications, we will know before we decide to go through with it. Like the actual birthing, laboring process is, you know, usually within a day, mm-hmm. right? And so... We're going to know a lot of if there's any kind of issue where we will definitely change plans. So anybody that's worried about that, like if there's something that we need to go to the hospital for, we are not against that at all. Yeah. And even in the lead up, if there's, uh, you know, in the months and weeks before, there's also sometimes situations where it's just not a good idea to have it at home. And we'll know that. And we have total space for that. And but just learning more about I think we feel a lot more comfortable even looking at the stats and everything like at home. You know, and we want to focus on having a beautiful experience and putting our energy towards this this transcendent, you know, orgasmic, ceremonial, opening a portal to to deliver this baby into our lives, into this reality, and we just feel very comfortable with that. And and it's really, it's it's quite challenging. We just we just started this process, but trying to get our loved ones and family to feel comfortable with it as well um, and be on board. With our decision, um, how, how are you dealing with that? When we first told your family and my mum, I actually don't know if I've spoken to my sister about it, but I told my mum, you know, we had a pretty similar response from both and that was before we met Michelle and we hadn't made our decision yet. We were talking about what we were leaning toward and um, if I talk about my mum first, like, yeah, she kind of shared with me that both her births were really long and they were um, not super complicated, but there were some complications and it wasn't really easy. My sister also ended up in an emergency C-section. So she was just warning me of those kinds of things with love and um, and I went away saying, well, yeah, I, I want to keep researching. I want to understand more about lots of people's birth stories and all of that. And then we told your mum as well and she was pretty concerned and it actually triggered a lot in me I think um, later over the next couple of days um, I started having these fears about just being responsible enough to be a parent so I guess I was working through you know who I am as a human and this up until now I've mainly well, I was telling myself at the time, I've only really had to worry about myself and I just do what I want. And if things don't work out, it doesn't really matter because it's just me. And, you know, I can be responsible for my own decisions and live with the consequences. And all of a sudden I started getting really overwhelmed with just being a parent in general and whether I was enough, whether I was ready, whether I would be able to step into responsibility. And it's always been like a little bit of a joke with my family and stuff that, like I don't sweat a lot of the small stuff, you know. Somehow I manage to build companies and create all sorts of things, but my sister will be like, how can you not even just turn up to a restaurant on time or something like that? Like the little things kind of go sometimes go awry for me because I'm so focused on this kind of bigger picture stuff. And it's become a little bit of a joke, but also especially the last three years, like I've lived alone I really have looked after myself and even though everyone still makes those jokes um, and we laugh about it and it's funny, it's not really true. Like I do look after myself, I do take care, I do. And then when I thought about it more, I'm like I've been paying, I've had hundreds of employees over the years that I've been responsible for, that I've guided, that I've paid their wages and supported them and all sorts of things. And I have been mothering in many ways, but anyhow, that's where I've come to. (laughs) In those days, I was not feeling that. And I was feeling all of the stories about how I'm irresponsible. And then, you know, having our families kind of not be totally on board with what we were discussing, I started thinking, am I irresponsible? 
am I going to let everyone down? Am I going to let you down? Am I going to let your family down? Am I going to let my family down? Am I going to let our son down? And it was, it was rough. And I think that coincided with, um, you asking me to pull my weight around the house a little bit more because I hadn't been picking up my dishes, which was really, you know, not a big deal. And it was the way that you raised it with me was beautiful. And it was very easy for us to resolve that, but it happened to happen at the same time. And I went through a bit of a, like a dark day or two there where I was just trying to reconcile with all of this stuff. However, I'm grateful for it because as I said, I came to this place where I was like, hang on a second. I, you are responsible, Sarah. You are, you've created amazing things and you're always on a learning journey. And then when we met Michelle, once again, I feel, um, I had intuition. I trusted it. You also, we worked through on this journey together and then we met Michelle and we both felt really clear and really comfortable with our decision. I don't think we have any questions. Like it just feels solid. And I realized in those moments that the most important thing to me is that you and I are on the same page, that we make these decisions together and that we're in agreement and alignment. And I feel like we are. And um, as individuals in that decision and what we come to, you know, we both feel really in alignment with ourselves. And so then when we've told, when I told my mum after that, I met Michelle, this midwife, I feel really good. She was actually totally supportive. And I think it was because she could sense that our energy was comfortable, that we had done our research, that we had met this person that we felt comfortable with. And she really, um, and she may be worried. Um, My mum definitely has an incredible ability to just not really worry and get stressed about other people. She's like, well, everybody just lives their life. What can you do about it? And it was something that... Joy Bell. Joy Bell's so wise. <laughs> she is so wise. It was something I struggled with a lot. I was like, hey, what do you mean you don't worry? Like, I worry about everything. Joy Bell says, just have a glass of wine and forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> so, I mean, she may have her concerns, but I also think she was... Where I imagine she's coming from is I expressed my concerns and I trust you guys. And now mm. you've made your decision. I will support you. That's mm. how it feels to me. Um, that's beautiful because it's not it's not this trying to change us. It's the I would feel bad if I didn't say something. But then you responded with something that made me feel comfortable with, you know, what you want mm-hmm. and what you're doing. And then it's kind of leaving it at that. And yeah. like so then it turns into a supportive, loving thing. Yeah. So that's I feel beautiful. grateful for that. I'm not sure. I haven't spoken to my sister and her husband's an orthopedic surgeon. So, and she also, as I said, had an emergency C-section. So I'm not sure how she's going to feel about it, but we will, we will talk about it. And, um, and then, yeah, your family are still not hundred percent on board and we're going to have them meet with the midwife, which I think mm-hmm. is going to be great. And, and at this point we've said, well, we've told you now we had the discussion let's not talk about it anymore until you've also met the midwife mm-hmm. because there's really nothing more that we can, otherwise we're talking around in circles right yeah. now. Yeah. And that's where it comes into really setting boundaries when you are working with this kind of stuff. And it's just, that goes back to just relational boundaries period, right? Yeah. Like you're not going in, in a circle, but really like, Hey, if you have questions, like if you have questions for us, we'll answer them. If you have questions for the midwife, I think that she'll, she obviously has a breadth of knowledge. I mean, when we're saying stuff, we're we just obviously, relaying, yeah. yeah, we don't have the experience. So have a discussion with her. And then if we need to all sit down together, we can do that and voice your concerns. And then we can come back and have a conversation. And, you know, I think our, our just, our hope is really that we can just feel supported on this journey and, and loved through it. Um, but we'll see. I'm, and, and I know everybody's just really excited about yeah. adding a family member. So just knowing that the deeper, levels to all of this is love they absolutely love us and just Mm. want us to be safe so so that's where i'm at with it all how about you yeah um so yeah okay so that was that was your (laughs) (laughs) i I mean i want to go back to this idea um we talked about earlier when when we found out it was a boy Mm. and how that kind of really shifted my I didn't think it would be because I was totally cool with having a girl. I was really excited about that. Um, and I didn't think if I had a boy, it, it would be a, a huge difference. But when I found out it was a boy and I started processing what that meant, um, it's really beautiful. It's it's a different, it feels like a different connection to me. 
Um, I think one of the, the reasons is, you know, as I grew up, I always desired this, this deeper connection with my father. And I'm so grateful that I've reconnected with him in a beautiful way over the last year. And I'm going to continue to strengthen that relationship. But it was never how, how I wanted it, how I like really craved. I looked at other, other guys growing up, other boys with their dads. And I don't obviously didn't know their exact relationship, but I always desired this disconnection of this, this wise, you know, father figure role model, just teaching me about life and traveling together and experiencing amazing things together. And that's just not, not who my dad is. And, you know, I'm really grateful. That's one of the reasons, um, I really attached to football because it was the it was the first time, and I'm I'm actually writing about this in my book right now. It was this, you know, I I wasn't conscious of it at the time, but there was this void that was missing and this connection. And when you're a kid, like you don't really know what is what you don't know, right? And like that was just my relationship with my dad. I, I didn't know if there was a different way to be until I started growing up and seeing other people's relationships, and then my my worldview kind of widened a little bit. But that's why I attached to football so much. You know, there's a lot of male role models, father figures that I'm so grateful throughout my career that have had a huge impact on my life and the man that I am today. And, you know, my, my dad has had an impact on me as well in his own way. But it was just never this connection that I really wanted. And so when I realized I'm having a son, it was like, okay, that, that father-son connection that I always wanted, I have an opportunity to create that and develop that from this other perspective. Like I can be the father that I always wanted. And I know that there's this, this idea that, you know, that maybe that's not what my son wants. <laughs> <laughs> and I totally understand that. And it's fascinating how even talking to my, my sister, Ashley, she's got two kids and she's, you know, she's like, I'm just, now that I have kids, like I would raise my kids so much different than, than mom raised me like this and that. And it's like, you know, I see that from a, a wider perspective and I see her and I'm like, okay, but your kids are going to find something that they wish you did differently. Yeah. And so I'm totally <laughs> open and understand that. And it's just all about just trying to show up and love them and give them space to be them. But I don't know, to really like impart my wisdom and my life experience, I feel like I've lived a lot of life and it's fascinating. And actually, that's actually one thing I'm really grateful to my dad and my family for, because my dad, I always... I always wanted this, this, this obviously this father figure to teach me about the world, but my dad just didn't have a lot of life experience, um, didn't have a lot to share with me. And that created, I remember in high school, there was this moment when I was like, I want to go experience as much of the world as I can so that when I have a kid, I can tell them from a place of experience, not from a place of just, you know, thinking about what it might be like, but really experiencing the world in this full wide range of depth so that I can offer that experience to my child and my son and now full circle I mean that's 15 years ago I went and did it like I lived so much life um, experienced so much I've learned so much um, and I think you know that's not coming that, that allows me this space to not come from a place of this is how the world is and this is how you need to be but understanding what the world is and then being able to guide him on his own experience through it. And yeah, I'm re really just looking forward to having this connection with this, this son and being able to raise him and connect with him. And, you know, hopefully he's not a little terrorist, <laughs> but I'm sure I'm going to love him either way. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's such a beautiful reflection. And the one thing I love, I mean, you are going to be the most amazing father. And the one thing I love is watching you and your dad, because I think a lot of the journey for you, and this is my observation, has been you opening to him to be your father, to be mm. our father, to give you that, that fatherly energy. And I watch you guys together now, and it's very much there. He does guide you, and you mm. do ask him, and you receive. Yeah. It's just, there's always this, this resistance of, I always wanted to be seen. Mm -hmm. Like I always like didn't think I was allowed to be who me, right? I feel like I had to show up as this person that my dad or my mom wanted me to be. And I think a lot of that has to do with their religious beliefs and the church, the, the church I grew up in, in Christianity and, and this idea that 
you know, I can't do certain things or certain things are shameful or sinful. And so on my healing journey, especially over the last couple of years, like I wanted so bad to be seen because I, I wanted them to ask about like all these cool things I'm doing, but they just, they never would. And I always felt like, oh, they don't like, they don't really allow me space to be who I am. And that resistance I've learned didn't, it created this, this block where I didn't actually see them or receive them or want to know them and ask them who they are. And so it's, it's just like we talked about earlier, as within, so without. So that story that I created within myself created the resistance that reflected right back at me because everybody is just a mirror for who you are and how you feel on the inside. And so my connection with my parents was mirroring right back at me. And as soon as I started healing those stories and looking at them in a, in a deeper light and just showing up with the intention of, I don't really know my dad that much. I don't really know my mom that much. What is their story? And I think when I was a child, they tried to protect me from the world, which is understandable. And it's because they love me. And so they wouldn't share about maybe some deeper stories about who they are and how they got to be, you know, it was very like structured and they just told a kid what, you know, all the good stuff. Right. And, you know, I set the intention like uh, last year, a couple years ago, um, when I really started reconnecting with my parents, I, I just sat down and set the intention like, you know, dad, tell me more about yourself. Like, how did you mom, you know, mom meet? And not, not doing it from a place of like anything but just love and wanting to see. And to see my dad, like I'm getting like vibrating in my body, to see my dad and my mom just soften and just share openly like who they are and me receiving it has reconnected that energetic fatherly son connection and fatherly mother connection. And, you know, I'm so grateful for my parents. They've taught me so much. And I'm so grateful for having them and, and the way that they are. And I can totally see them and love them fully now and has created this connection. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. We want, especially with our parents or our family, we want them to be something else. Mm-hmm. We expect them to be a certain way. And because they're family, we're like connected with them. And it's really allowing them to have space to be who they are. I think that's, you know, as a, as a parent now, allowing my kid space to be who he is and not trying to control him or, you know, it's really all about just guiding and it goes both ways. And so when I first was able to, to, to witness my parents and see them and, and receive them and receive their love, that's what reopened this connection. And, you know, I used to really have a lot of resistance to even, and we can talk about this in more depth on a different podcast. Cause it's really my whole life story is this idea of really desiring the connection with my parents and, coming full circle and finally experiencing that, you know, now it's, I used to like have resistance to family vacations and stuff, Like oh, I have to go spend some time with them and it's just going to be hard because they don't get me and we don't really have anything to talk about. And now it's like, Hey mom, like, what are you doing this weekend? I cannot wait to come hang out with you. Like, I just want to like love you and see you and massage your feet. And you know, it's and like, I'm just vibrating nothing. Like I love them so much and it's so beautiful to have that connection again. I love it. And I love being part of your family. It's amazing. I think that book um, reminds me of that book. It didn't start with me. It didn't start with you or whatever. Well, you is me in that context. (laughs) The book's titles didn't start with you. It's around ancestral um, healing, ancestral trauma and the way that um, it's like the energy of trauma is passed down through our lines. But the biggest takeaway I got from that book was the natural order of things and the energy flow of parental love. So allowing your mother and father to love you in that parental way and that we, with all of these wanting them to be different and thinking that they don't see us and da-da-da-da-da, we create an energy block mm. um, that stops that flow of them being our mother. And and I realised, like, I'll go to my mum and ask her advice and then I'll get, as she's just starting to speak, I'll be annoyed already and thinking, oh, she doesn't know, she doesn't get it, she hasn't lived overseas, she hasn't, you know, whatever my life experience is that she hasn't had, I'll start to think, she doesn't know, she can't advise me, why did I even ask her? And when I read that and understood, hang on a second, that's me blocking Mm. the energy flow of her being my mother. And even if the words she speaks are not specifically relevant, which turns out they actually are. I was just unable to hear them. Mm. But if I can just ask her advice, ask her to be my mother in that moment and allow that energy to flow back through her words and her love, 
that is opening the channel for her to be my mother and me to be her daughter. Mm. And it doesn't necessarily matter so much what the scenario might be. Um, yeah, like what the, like what the actual words really are coming out of our mouth. It's it's what's the energy. Yeah. And when you can connect with that energy and you feel it's this loving vibration that this this channel that's open, the words are irrelevant because then yeah. you can really like share that energetic connection with with your parents and it's. And realizing like that's what. I actually would have been wanting in those mm. moments or needing is like I just want and it's it's interesting because mm-hmm. when I'm in a state sometimes you know when I'm trying to work through something or I'm feeling really down one of the things that comes up for me is like I want my mom or I want my dad like it's just I go into my inner child and I'm just feeling like I want to be loved and nurtured mm. yet for all those years I pushed that away mm. you know I didn't let them do that for me energetically, even if they're words or whatever, it doesn't matter. I didn't let them be. So I've been trying to parent myself since I was so small, but like, I'm not a parent yet. I wasn't a parent and I've gone back and done all of that reparenting and things, but I've also opened the energetic channel for my mom and my dad, even though he's passed, but I can still communicate with him energetically in that way. I've opened the channels for them to do that. And that's so beautiful. Mm. And you've done that as well, and I get to witness it every day, and it's beautiful. Yeah, thank you. It's it's really beautiful. So I think getting really pregnant and having it's children is going to bring. Yeah, it's fascinating because I've I've heard you know when you the cool thing about having kids is when you have a kid you know let's say our son when he's obviously this is down the down the line but you know six or seven and he's acting a certain way like. I will naturally respond to a situation as if my dad, like like my dad would, because mm-hmm. that's how I even absorb what that process should be like. And it's really fascinating to have an awareness of that. And in that moment, you can really heal it. And you talked about this trauma that's passed down in our in our ancestral lineage, and that's collective trauma, and it's passed down in our in our like physiology. Like we hold trauma in our bodies, and it's just fascinating all the science that's coming out how that's passed down and. And being able to do that work and heal that when we have a, a, a kid on the way is really beautiful to really have space and understand and just an awareness of the stories and being able to process them in real time. And, you know, this human experience is a really wild one. It and is. I'm really excited about this opportunity with you to start a family. I feel like we have a lot we could talk about, but we'll leave it for some more episodes mm-hmm. of Love and Life. Let's... um. You know, let's share a little bit about the coming weeks. We're headed uh, to Sedona mm-hmm. this weekend for a retreat, and then we're going up to Vegas, which I'm really excited about. Mm-hmm. And we'll bring you guys along on the journey. Yeah. More to come. Stay tuned. More to come. And I do want to say just one last disclaimer. We're not scientists. We're not medical professionals. This is from our experience. We are sharing it vulnerably and openly so that we're hoping that it would have an impact on some of you and inspire some of you to, you know, ask the right kind of questions, maybe learn a little bit from us and, um, you know, really connect to your own experience. Um, yeah. And we're very much sharing it as it happens mm. and we reserve the right to change our mind and opinion as well as we totally. experience more. So, you know, nothing is is fixed. This is simply a journey and an insight into our journey. Totally. And it stays fluid. Um, yeah. Anything else? I think that's it for today. I think that's it for today. We have a lot coming up. We're going on this little road trip. We will bring you guys along with us and really excited about it. We have a lot to talk about in future episodes. I think talking about our businesses and Mm -hmm. what we're going through with that. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about my, I'm sure you do too, um, journey with the sexual healing and what that looks like. I think there's a lot of value to add um, as, a, as a man, especially in our society and our culture and and uh, what it means to really connect with a woman and, and our man, um, just a partner and really, you know, healing that st- side of us within ourselves and how that creates space to connect in a beautiful way. And I know we've been both been working on that. So we want to share more about that, mm. share more about our businesses and share more about our journey through pregnancy and our relationship. And we really hope that this adds a ton of value to anyone that's listening. We'd love to hear from you. 
um, reach out to us on our social medias. All that will be on the show notes. And um, yeah, until next time, you have anything else? Nope. Adios. This is Love and Life with Joe and Sarah Regal Heath. Sign out. We're done. Stop. Stop Stop. now. Press stop on your phone (laughs) or wherever you listen to your podcast. Oh, and if you wouldn't mind leaving a rate and review, and it would really help us and share this with anybody you think might benefit from it. Really hope you enjoy. Later.